Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. President Biden wins. President elect, I should say. U.S. stock futures climb with Asian equities this morning uh, in a continuation of last week's risk on pattern after Biden was declared winner of the presidential race on Saturday. The dollar extended declines. It's still uh, in early minutes in terms of reading the market reaction. The dollar began the, the week with modest moves. I'll continue to keep an eye out on that for you. But first up, we're going to take a closer look at S&P futures. They're ticking up in early trading, uh, building on the strongest week since April for the benchmark as Biden prepares to launch his transition effort, also high on his list of priorities containing COVID in the U.S. Stocks rose in Japan, Australia, South Korea, the yuan and euro ticking higher alongside the Australian and New Zealand dollars. Treasury slipping. We're checking in with Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital, for his reaction uh, to the news of the day. Terence, how are you? Good morning. Hey, Michelle. I'm great. Good to hear from you. So what do you think? How are markets being impacted by the results? Still early days yet. Oh, yes, it is. Well, and, and the wait was finally over. We hours of the morning, uh, day before, um, they formally announced that, you know, Biden is going to be president-elect. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of work that's still cut out for him. Um, and, and there was a good start uh, as he prepared his uh, coronavirus uh, task force. Uh, that's a, really a step in the right direction. Uh, there are the pressing I think political and geopolitical issues uh, like its relationships with its uh, key allies in Europe as well as Asia. Of course, in this part of the world, we are very concerned about the trade war and the U.S. ties with China. Mm. Uh, given that you know this war was was launched in 2018, and I think a large part, I mean, uh, all the manufacturing bases in in Asia has been affected, whether it's China, uh, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore. And I, I think that uh, with Biden's win, it will not be uh, an immediate about turn. It wouldn't be 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be back to the very warm ties uh, that uh, you know we saw when Obama was around. Because uh, don't forget, uh, Trump, even though uh, he has uh, officially lost, mm-hmm. there were still like, what, 70 million votes. Uh, that's the second largest uh, vote count in history, I mean, after Biden's uh, 74, 75 million, give or take. Mm. Um, so there are still a lot of people that are out there supporting Trump. And uh, Trump, one, one of the key things about Trumpism is that, you know, they've made uh, China the bogeyman. Uh, people believe that they are the evil force. So Biden, I think, couldn't really, like, you know, turn around and say that, hey, uh, we are going to be warm to China again, uh, at least not in the immediate future. Uh, it won't be embracing them with uh, China with open arms. So the but I, I think in the mid to long term, uh, the relationship will definitely improve uh, between US and China, and this is good for Asia, hmm. especially the manufacturers, which I mentioned earlier on. They bore the brunt of the trade war. Speaking of the stock market, uh, I think you know it's really really clear that uh, the markets are. 
uh, in favor of Biden. Wall Street saw some of the best gains last week. You mentioned it was April. It hasn't gone that far back. But <laughs> it, it definitely felt like one of the best weeks you know, in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broad-based S&P was up over 7%. Uh, profit-taking, I, I believe, actually will set in soon uh, in the classic case of you know, buy on rumors. So in fact, people were hoping that Biden would win, you know, there's going to be this uh, blue wave, which really didn't happen. Um, Mm. uh, And uh, there's going to be some massive stimulus package on its way. But I I think that this is going to take some time. And uh, like like I just mentioned, it's buy on rumors. In fact, uh, Biden still has a lot of things on his hands. And if this were to drag longer the stimulus package uh that wouldn't uh that would actually like result in you know the markets uh, uh losing some some confidence that they've gained over the past it's just the past week actually it was the end of october i remember it was very very weak and suddenly it just bounced bounced up so uh, i i think that uh investors still have to exercise a little bit of caution uh, caution so Terence, you expect Biden to stay tough on China. Let me put this question to you. Do you think the incoming Biden administration will continue that full-scale decoupling with China? I, I'm quite sure uh, it wouldn't. I mean, the, the new administration wouldn't do that. Uh, given that, you know, you have seen uh, over the eight years, uh, I, I think it will be a return to some of the policies uh, to, the, to the warmer ties uh, between China and U.S. that we've seen during Obama. Uh, but like, like I said, uh, it wouldn't be that immediate. So, uh, and, and I think that this is good for the world because you're talking about the top two economies globally. If they're not fighting, mm. uh, they are cooperating. And uh, that, uh, and I think that uh, in China's books, uh, in, in the China's leader, leaders, uh, are very, very open to cooperating with the U.S. It's just, uh, wait, uh, I, I think they're just waiting for, for Biden to come in, warm the seat up, and, you know, start to work through the process to see how they can, again, uh, work more closely together. Makes a lot of sense. Um, do you think that Biden could reduce the crackdown on China tech? We know there are a lot of China tech investors listening in. Uh, oh, for, for this, for this I, I think that uh, Biden will at least continue part of what uh, Trump has been doing. Uh, it will not be as uh, hard uh, on China, but still I, I feel that uh, this is something that uh, Trump has opened. Uh, many people are in favor of that. And uh, this will be something that I, I feel that Biden will continue, uh, just not at that level, uh, just not at that particular level. But that said, I, I think that uh, China is has really prepared for that. Uh, given that, you know, at that point in time, you know, a few months ago, they were not very, very sure whether it's going to be a Trump victory or Biden. But in any ways, uh, that forces them into a corner. They have, uh, they don't want to be uh, that dependent on uh, US technology. And I believe that they have progressed ahead. So uh, one, one positive thing that came out of this uh, trade war and uh, Trump's very, very hard line on China is that uh, this has forced uh, China to actually develop its own technology. And, and I think that uh, it will eventually, I mean, if historians were to look back, at, I, I think that this is one of the turning points. Mm. Uh, China, that they will see China leapfrog the rest of the world. And 
great insight. He's Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Uh, the U.S. dollar is losing ground. We've been seeing this trend for some months now. The greenback depreciating about 10% from its high earlier this year. It's near a two-year low. What do you think a Biden victory means for the U.S. dollar strength? Mm, I, I think that what we are seeing right now is a result of uh, investors believing that you know, a very, very strong stimulus were to come and that would actually impact the US dollar. But if, uh, but the, the way I look at it, if uh, we don't contain the virus and it gets out of hand, like what is happening already in Europe, uh, in the US, uh, eventually uh, in a couple of months down the road, uh, if there's going to be a lockdown or if the economy doesn't recover at the pace that we think it does and it goes on a tailspin, uh, people may just believe that, you know, we need to uh, see, uh, we need to go into, a, we need to, uh, there will be a flight to safety and US dollar will start to uh, come to vogue and, and become uh, something that they want to put their money in again. All right, let's switch gears, turn to the Ant Group's IPO that has been postponed. Uh, what message do you think global investors are taking from Ant's dashed IPO about investing in the China market? Well, I think it's clearly a shocker. Um, that happened during my uh, birthday period. Oh, no. And, yeah, I know. Yeah, they were like, they were like uh, I was just about to, I, I, I remembered uh, just a couple of hours before that, uh, that thing happened and there were a lot of queries, you know, from media friends, you know. Um, it, it is the world's largest IPO. I mean, if it were a much, much smaller IPO, I think nobody really bought about it, but it is Ant and it's backed by Alibaba, right? There were record bids uh, and, and I think to the tune of three US trillion dollars. Uh, that's equivalent to Britain's annual economic output. Uh, that was put into the IPO. And a lot of it is from borrowed funds. And we're not talking just just about the institutions. We're talking about uh, people, on the, the men on the street, you know, retail investors, taxi drivers, students, young professionals. Uh, you know, they, they basically used up all their savings and more. They borrowed very, very heavily from the banks. Uh, the banks in China, I think, were offering, like, say, 30 times leverage uh, just uh, for them to take up the stock. So so somebody with nothing could end up, you know, like putting a bit of millions of dollars right into to the issue. Uh, and, you know, with this failed IPO, or at least the suspension of the IPO, uh, mon- the monies have been returned uh, or are in the process of being returned. Um, of course, some of them, uh, they have also like returned with interest and has, has done that. But I think it doesn't cover the interest that some of the brokers uh, uh, off, have offered or have given to uh, the investors. But uh, that's it. I believe that many of the brokers, particularly those in Hong Kong, have said that they will waive the fees uh, for them. So I, I think that uh, investors can generally uh, that there should be a sigh of relief. But uh, that's it. I, it's the same message I always send out. Like, if you don't don't bet, don't make blind bets, because when they when they start to borrow like this, mm. when they have nothing, uh, they are just praying that the IPO will do well. I believe that uh, many of these guys, like I said, those that borrow from the brokers, they will require uh, anywhere between eleven and uh, a jump, a first day jump of anywhere between eleven and twenty percent. 
uh, before they make any money because the borrowing rates are actually relatively high if you want to look at you know on an annualized basis uh, so I, I, I would advise caution and uh, if you ask me about the impression uh, I, I think that uh, I, uh, international investors will again I believe be very very wary of investing or be, become a little bit uh, more cautious about investing in the, the, the Chinese market. Absolutely, yeah. This is a signal for caution with new listings. Do you think that the, what China's government has done puts a leash on the growth of fintechs in China? Well, temporarily, uh, but then I think in the in the mid or in the grander scheme of things, uh, that uh, wouldn't really have uh, much of an impact mm. because uh, this is definitely the the way it's going to go uh, except that it's, it's going to like uh, put in some regulations which I don't think is all bad mm. uh, yeah why not? well I I think that uh, some of these fintechs uh, they they uh, they go on very very uh, they are very loose regulations so um, they can charge you know exorbitant fees Except that you know investors don't really look at it because it's micro loans, right? But then yeah. you were to start to analyze it, uh, the the fees are actually are very very high, and some of them like liken it to like loan shark kind of mm. fees, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that some dose of uh, regulation ain't all bad. Interesting. Terence Wong is CEO of Azure Capital. Let's switch gears, bring it back home. DBS Bank, OCBC Bank, they joined UOB in posting better than expected third quarter earnings. They've set aside more allowances, though, for potential bad loans amidst this pandemic moving ahead. Your reading of the Singapore Bank's Q3 profits, Terence. Looking at the profits, you know, reported by banks in the third quarter, there could be a silver lining. Uh, they were seen the worst uh, and that was during the second quarter of this year. Uh, though we are not exactly out of the woods, uh, as 2021 may see a renewed wave of uh, bankruptcies. Uh, but on the third quarter numbers, uh, all three banks actually beat expectations, which is good, you know, and they beat it for different reasons. Uh, UOB, uh, it is improvement in the net interest margins. For DBS, it's the treasury income. For OCBC, it's lower credit uh, costs. And the parent trend in twenty uh, the third quarter was that the quantum of impairment provisions uh, have uh, really peaked in the first half of this year. Again, uh, that's uh, good news. Uh, net fee income is close to returning to pre-COVID levels. Uh, that's more apparent for DBS. And to counter the weaker net interest uh, income, uh, DBS has really outlined its aim to deliver double-digit growth for its fee income in uh, well for the next year. Other non-interest income drivers, I, I think that's uh, very, very key because all three banks are seeing a resurgence in trading income. You know, for some reason, people mm-hmm. just started to trade a lot more, you know, po- during the lo- during our lockdown, mm-hmm. during the circuit breaker period, and uh, accounts were just like open like crazy. I remember uh, at one stage, you know, it took... It took an investor with no account. Hmm. Uh, for them to open an account, it, it took them like anywhere between three and four weeks, uh, which you know was unheard. It's it unheard of over the last you know decade or so. So, so people are coming back in a great way. They're trading, and that's good for for the banks. Uh, looking at the valuations, uh, DBS uh, is still trading at above uh, price to book, uh, one-time price to book. 
I think it's trading about 1.06 times. Uh, UOB and OCBC are trading closer to 0.8 times book. Uh, not expensive uh, on all counts for, for the banks. Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Let's take a closer look at uh, sectors. So we know that on Friday, the government said that it will allow some bars, some nightclubs to reopen from next month. It's all part of a pilot program. So F&B entertainment sectors, um, you know, could be gasping or could be getting a bit more oxygen. Some other sectors remain on ice. I was just walking around the airport yesterday, just, you know, looking at that unprecedented sight of all those counters shut. And so aviation, we know on ice. What do you think are the sectors to watch? Well, aviation is very, very sad. Um, and I think that, you know, it won't be to well, at least, you know, till end of 2021 before we see uh, some semblance of normalcy. I, I'm not even sure whether that, that's going to happen by yeah. uh, end 2021. Uh, another sad, I mean, you, since we're on topic of sad sectors, uh, you mentioned the entertainment, uh, retail. Mm. You know, there's been a news lately. Uh, what, with Robinson's moving Robinson. out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, my office is just across the road from mm. the Orchard flagship store. Uh, I'm staring at it right now as I'm talking to you. Um, and the writer was really on the wall for a long time. You know, most days in the year for Robinson's, mm. uh, with the exception of Black Friday, you know, where there's a crazy mad rush. Uh, there's really more staff than customers. Gosh. Yeah, it's very, very sad, right? So, so I, I knew that that was going to come. Mm. And uh, departments, department stores are really having a very, very tough time. They're struggling. And this was even pre-COVID. Uh, but this COVID has uh, really brought it down to its knees. Um, lower sales, you know, and, and people are just going to specialist stores. Uh, and that uh, there, there are no atrium sales, you know, like, uh, say, Takashimaya, they used to have these big atrium sales. Right. But, but that's mm. all but gone. Right, so so it's tough, uh, but if you look at the listed retail focus uh, as reads, uh, they have really proactively managed the exposures to department stores, um, and uh, they, uh, and I think that they have like basically uh, ring fenced itself. Uh, so, but uh, they have uh, also like fallen, I think, in recent times. But I I believe that you know with the Christmas coming back, um, and. Uh, while department stores have done badly, a lot of the specialist stores have actually picked up. Uh, last few weekends, I've been around, you know, uh, not really shopping, but uh, sh- looking at the shoppers. Uh, the, the crowds have really intensified. There's been uh, some places are just packed, just crowded. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, uh, people are not going to be traveling there's going to be some form of spending so i so i think retail even though it's one of those ic sectors uh for now uh but i i believe that that is going to make a comeback and should there be further weakening in some of these retail retail related stocks or reads i, I think they're worth looking at um are there companies on your watch list terence well i, I think that uh well, there, there are a few companies uh, right now uh, on my watch list. Uh, like I mentioned, some of the REITs, uh, Wilma, which we spoke spoke about uh, earlier on, uh, I believe on this program, um, that has, uh, I think, fairly interesting movements. Uh, first, uh, went up very, very high, right, uh, in anticipation of the listing of its subsidiary in China, which happened. Uh, that didn't do that badly. In fact, there was very, very strong interest. But on the day that it listed, uh, the stock price actually tanked. Mm. 
but in recent uh, the last couple of weeks uh, it is like uh, it has recouped some of its losses uh, the major shareholder the founder Kwok Kun Hong has also started to buy in uh, I think that uh, this company uh, given that it is one of the uh, strongest uh, oil players or, or palm oil players as well as cooking oil uh, company in, in China I, I think that it's definitely worth a look all right, Wilma bought back twenty million of its shares, didn't it? Yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. Let's take a look and at the share price this morning: four dollars thirty-eight Singapore cents, up one point one five percent. Terence, thank you as always for your terrific insights. Oh, thanks so much, Michelle. Great. Always a pleasure. He's Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.